Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, welcome back to U2Y. The podcast series examining U2's design output and one of the longest running creative collaborations in design rock and roll history. This is the penultimate episode in our series and this is U2's ninth full length release. We do have one more episode to come which will be a special look back across the series, a kind of epilogue and we'll be doing something special for this. But do stick around and we'll have more information on this at the end of the show. With the digital design age now fully upon us, pop becomes an experiment, a sort of retro-futuristic take on pop art, with the basic concept being what would Andy Warhol or Roy Lichtenstein do if they had access to these computers. Pop marks the end of the trilogy of records, the, the Octungs Europa pop trio, which saw both band and design team explore the limits of what was possible within the idea of what you two what could look like and could sound like. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you on the other side. This is U2Y Chapter 9, Pop. New York, London, Paris, Munich. Everyone's talking about mm, pop music. You're damn right. An uh, interesting little fact: um, the man behind uh, M, I think M was named the man for pop music, yeah. was Robin Scott. And Robin Scott um, used to be the manager of a English band called Rugulator uh, in the early days, who the Radiators from Space supported in a very early gig we did in Belfield. And after the show, Robin Scott came up to me and said, you know, you guys should move to London and I'd like to get involved with with what you're doing. Um, mm. But again, we just didn't feel the timing was exactly right for us to move, make that move at that point in time. Um, but it was interesting that, you know, 
connections. What did something in the band that he found? Uh, well, Ro Robin uh, Scott um, was friends, I believe, with Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood. Yeah, and he was probably on the eye out for a, a punk band. So all roads lead back to the radiators from space. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's just start with a general look back at that time. Well, it, you know, it was obviously um, an explosion of the uh, attitude we had with Actung uh, mo moving ahead in that it was suddenly uh, they embraced the idea of fun, of color, of uh, irony, all the things that, you know, suddenly they became a pop band. In, well, it's probably in, more than than an embrace at this point. I think I think Octong and Zeropa were embracing the, the 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 colorful, exuberant, vibrant side, and this is is setting it on fire and dousing it in petrol. Yeah, it's a complete explosion of 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 of, of color, and it was um, the two the things that I think are completely linked together are the um, promotional literature for the tour. And the album sleeve because they they in in a sense are a matched pair. Um, obviously, at this point, um, Sean was very much involved in in with me in the the whole design process of, of what was what was going on. And I think at that point, the band had began to um, accept his presence in 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 uh, meetings and things like that. I sort of fostered that he come along to the meetings. It would seem to me then that Sean has more control over the pure graphic design aspects and you're taking on more of an art direction role and so are you happy to kind of let sean take the reins uh it, it certainly um it, at that particular point sean was more certainly more skilled with uh the use of the computer and that that became a strong much stronger dynamic in the in the pop album cover but it would be wrong to say that um i kind of disappeared or stepped back or whatever i was very aware of every stage of what he was doing because we were you know working closely together on it uh, so everything that was done was something i was aware of and, and saw and helped out i feel like aspects of the design i can feel are more so coming from sean's um design personality than your own but well there's one interesting way of looking at things where you can you can retrospectively look back on a process and define it as being, say, maximalist or minimalist. And I, I think that whilst the cover of pop is in a way kind of minimal, minimalist, the design sensibilities that permeate the gatefold sleeve and then the, the tour program are inherently maximalist design. Um, but it's hard to say if at the time those are words that are necessarily spoken about, that it you know, at the end of the day, you're just trying to serve the spirit of the record of the of the band of the time. Yeah, I think that that's one of the the um, things about design. Design is 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 subjective to uh, revision in your thought process. You may see something ten years later on an album. They say, "Oh, that's about that," but it may not have even be conscious of in your thought process at that time. But having said that, you know, if something. In the in the whole photographic process, if there was one image that suddenly hit you, you looked at it and said, "Wow, that sums up this completely." There's no reason why that one image wouldn't have been the cover, but um, with the change of direction and and the idea of pop, you you are exploring something quite different. With this cover, there's a lot of uh, pushing of colors and treatments and things like that, and this is about utilizing the computer to its technological um, advantages that it, that it was able to give you um, and also printing techniques to sort of push the levels of printing as much as we could or we could at that, that time. Something that was always evolving as you, as you went along. What makes this 
this campaign particularly unique is that the tour was being developed more or less alongside the sleeve and the music itself. Everything was kind of being worked on in tandem. Therefore, you had an opportunity to 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 bring in elements of the tour visuals and Willie Williams designs into what you were working on with the artwork. Yeah, exactly. And there was conversations that, that crossed over. But I think that my, my abiding memory of um, the cover was that uh, there was so many different titles and so many different um, options that we were we were using that right up to the uh, final stages of the artwork, there was different titles and different directions. Um, and I think Miami was one of the titles and, you know, that we were kind of moving towards. And it was only really in the very last minute that the decision to call the album Pop came about. And uh, I do remember Sean and I sitting down and talking about it and saying, well, how would uh, Lichtenstein or Andy Warhol or any of these people who were known pop artists uh produce their work now if they were sitting at the computer as opposed to doing doing silkscreen or painting or any of those kind of kind of things and that's how we approached it and the idea of having the four uh heads on the cover um and using each one in a slightly different textural using a a um a filter on in in photoshop to to produce these and not every image worked we tried a number of images until we find the ones that actually really seem to get the personality of each character across well, the overall effect is that it's almost like a retro-futuristic take on pop art. Yeah. I don't think I'd go as far as saying that it's postmodern, but you can see the influence of the digital realm creeping in and interacting with the um, methods of the past and the Andy Warhol, Lichtenstein pop art aesthetic kind of having this handshake with, with Photoshop almost. Yes, And I think then also... It's just got a sense of futurism to it that comes from the typography, the silver. Yes, it's a kind of big move away from the gold in, of the past. We also uh, looked at the idea of using mirror boards that were used in sort of packaging for cosmetics and things like that. And funnily enough, um, when we when we did the, um, I think it was the DVD of the tour, uh, the way that a silver background could be used um wasn't as sophisticated as it became when we did the tour program cover when we were able to use the the full uh, color and print on top of that color just to go back on this idea that in some ways what you're attempting to do with this campaign is similar to Zeropa, whereby you are taking taking as much as you can from the stage, from the tour, taking, taking how the music is presented in its three-dimensional form and bringing it to the two-dimensional platform. And even to the point where you're borrowing, you know, icons of that stage setup whereby say for example you use the the yellow arch it, it, that appears on the rear cover yeah yeah i mean we had seen those stage designs and you know uh the, all the aspects of it you know, were, were sort of feeding into the overall the overall thing and creating the trolley and the uh all those sort of graphics uh, sensibilities and i think probably one of the strange uh, memories of the whole thing was a request from bono that um could the cover uh, be done in such a way that um, each member of the band 
individually could be seen on the cover as well as the four. Um, and uh, that was something that the, the, the record company looked at and couldn't really figure it out. So I had to spend some time. Probably what I was doing a lot when Sean was working away was kind of figuring how to fold the cover to make it into something that would actually do that. And actually, if you go to the cover with the fold, it has a fold out uh, cover on the outside and you do fold it, you can actually manage to get all of those five images to fold into a front cover. So, you, yeah, you can create your own cover, essentially. You can pick your favorite Yeah, your favorite member. band member can yeah. be on the cover uh, yeah. if, you, if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was a little bit tricky, and it was interesting to do that because we always liked the idea of the tactile element of paper folding and, and what we can do with, I mean, quite a few of the albums after that point really had ideas that spread into uh, packaging, interesting packaging ways um, that didn't necessarily... Uh, become uh, the final thing i think when we got to uh pop we also explored and later with atomic bomb we began to explore different textures and different ways of of of, um, different materials to use on the covers getting back to the titles pop pop mart was this concept of the hyper consumerist capitalist department store aesthetic Kmart, etc., etc. Was that all kind of rolling together as both tour and album were were being produced? Was it was it a concept that was that was just evolving throughout? Uh, I think it came from obviously the 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 uh, sort of branding concept of Pop Mart, um, uh, you know, a shop or a, a means of, of uh, displaying your goods. And I think that's really where that thought process came in. And, and also, as you, if you look at the mock-ups, there was, uh, for a time, there was quite a strong Japanese influence into what we were doing. I mean, I think one of the titles was uh, Godzilla. Um, uh-huh. So these that kind of uh, over-the-top uh, Japanese um, shock horror uh, movie uh, sensibility that their posters and their films had was also something feeding back into what we were doing. We did quite a lot of looking and thinking uh, with this album to kind of try and incorporate as many of these ideas as we could into the overall graphics. Are you able to determine then which came first, the, t- the title or the concept of the Pop Mart or the concept of revisiting pop art sensibilities. So did pop art come first or pop mart come first? Which came from which? I think that the title pop came first with the album. Um, that the fact that it was good, the album was going to be called pop, uh, that focused our attention on a particular direction. As I say, I think it... Um, uh, I think originally, it's, it's difficult to remember going by time, but I think it was the idea of the band on the front cover in the, in, in the book, there's a mock-up for one that's called U2 Super City Mania. Um, I think that kind of idea of the band standing in front of a white backdrop was kind of prominent for quite a while and it was where we were moving to. And the, 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 the supersonic graphics that were happening for the promotion um, where's where that was going to be and then suddenly when the album became pop we began to incorporate that much more intensely into into the sensibility of what the pop album cover became okay so pop was released in march 97 and the tour was announced in february 97 so so i'm just trying to figure if if the decision to call to call the album pop 
led to this kind of eureka moment with the name of the tour being Pop Mart. It seems like a perfect tie-in also connected to the fact that your design sensibilities are based around pop art. Uh, I wouldn't 100% sort of like to say that's definitely what happened, but in my mind, that's, that's, the, that's the way it unfolded. It is difficult to kind of isolate the two because there's a lot, a lot of talk. I would have, in my head, I would have thought the title for the album Pop came first and then the Pop Mart was a, was a natural outgrowth of that being. Yeah, I guess I just have this fantasy that there's like a boardroom meeting and someone writes Pop Art on a whiteboard and then someone else comes along and puts the M in front of the art and then it's like, boom. That once again, things just reveal themselves to you and obviously it happened in pop at a very late stage in, in the process. But I just, there's this misconception again that things are 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 created with this level of of certainty and definitiveness that sometimes isn't there. Sometimes the best ideas just appear and they just pop out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as I say, the, 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 the sort of... Uh, Wonderful graphics that ha- and and kind of uh, over the top graphics that happened in in uh, ja- Japanese pop packaging for for confectionery for sweets for for kids perfumes things like that all this you know is yeah. really st- strikingly strong. So to try and uh, incorporate that without actually sort of pastiching something was was one of the aims with the entire process. Well, that's an interesting point. I think when you look at the early mockups and the working title of Discola. It feels like you're centering around the idea of a singular product. And then when you consider where the design ended up, it feels like more like a catalog design for, for multiple products or, or you know, in some ways I feel like pop is, is more about a kind of state of mind, if you will, rather than a, pro- a singular product. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, within that process, um, there's the simplicity of, say, those discolum mockups, which are kind of like just like a almost a, a football branding or something of that of that mm-hmm. nature. And then there's the simplicity of the of the photographs of the of the members of the band, um, or even the picture of Bono and you know in, in the room and all those things. And so there is a lot going on. There's an mm-hmm. awful lot of of, of um, focus in the same in the same way that I think that with Actung there was an awful lot of photography. In this particular campaign, there's an awful lot of graphics as opposed to they, that were the inspiring part. Of it. Well, you know, we've mentioned this being a full-blown maximalist explosion. And there's a certain, if, if I can say, ugliness to it. Because I think you can talk about the idea of commercial art and graphic design. And those things aren't always compatible. You're allowed to be ugly here because you're trying to reflect some of the ugliness of of commercial design and product design it feels very appropriate yeah i well i would i would think so i mean it is it is that that term commercial art rather than graphic design is was probably something that you're you're feeding from that's what graphic design was called when i started out it was called commercial art they didn't understand what graphic design meant um if you said you were a designer people automatically don't think thought that you design clothes um of that kind of a nature of it I mean, there are there are um, strange um, aspects of it that that um, one remembers really, really clearly. One was the the when Please was released as a single, and the idea of using the 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 politicians on 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 the cover. Um, and it's hard to think back now to think you know or to to consider that these 
individual images of Ian Paisley and, and Jerry Adams and, and appeared in the tube in London as single image posters with no no identification, just these strangely coloured images that relate to Warhol's treatment of, of portraiture. With the three or four years between Europa and Pop, I'm assuming that the computer had a chance to settle into the studio and maybe you're adding more computers. But this must have better prepared you then for the work to come. Yeah, yeah. And I think we all, um, at that point, I think there may have been two or three Mac, at least Macs in the studio that, that, at that point. That process, that time between, was when we when we began to learn and look and see what we could do with 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 how we would use that imagery. And, and of course, you're using it in in its most most basic. Well, you know, you you, you see something that is a, is in, in a sense a filter or a trick, and you think, wow, that that's something interesting. Let's say we can feed that into what to what we're doing. Well, I wonder in some ways if that offers something slightly dangerous in in that you you know you find something new and fresh, and and suddenly you think. Oh, this is interesting. This is this is exciting, and don't have time to reflect on whether or not it's 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 a trend or if it's just a sense of the emperor's new clothes. But j- just in general, talking about using working with computers, like was this challenging for for you? Well, it's 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 certainly intimidating because um, you're trying to learn as you go, and because you're running a busy studio um, and you're doing all this at the same time, you're. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have had the same amount of time to sit and learn, you know. But I was all the time trying to to pick up, uh, do what I was doing and how to learn, uh, this, to work with the computer. I didn't in any way feel that we had uh, this was a retrograde step to go this way. I think this was definitely the way we all felt we needed to be. Um, and it opened so many possibilities because suddenly you could take a picture and you could do so many different things with it, you know. And yet this new technology is still inherently limited. We, we can obviously think of computers nowadays and the essentially infinite possibilities and potentialities, whereas back then it offered new horizons, but how to get there was still quite limited. And even the images that you use on the cover are like the filter is very simple. It's very primitive in a way. Yes. And I think that that primitiveness allows it to connect to the pop art simplicity. Yes. It's, it's one of those filters where you, you can set the tone, the, the size of each of the dots and things like that. So you, you play around with it quite a bit to get the right balance between, between mm. getting the dots, the right size where the, the image doesn't do it. But it, when I look back at the, at the rest of the inside of things, I can see that the most of the photography, um, is is untreated it's simply the mm. use of the imagery that that, that was there um from anton and uh, and the colors were so vibrant and so strong that the what we did on in the computer was the overlays of, of texture and pattern and things like that onto those images to create something interesting well to draw on that point we made just a few moments ago that sometimes i think something being new you immediately associate it with it being good and that could be dangerous but i also think about the idea of like if you give a child photoshop they they might play with a photograph in a very kind of naive way and i wonder is there some of that naivety in how the images have been treated not necessarily in a detrimental way but we do have to acknowledge that this is the earliest days of the likes of photoshop or illustrator that 
it's so new. It's hard, it's really hard to know what it's capable of. You kind of just have to find it. Yeah, but I, I yeah I, I think you're right. But I think that again, when I look back, it, it seems to me that there's a. It's not quite as 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 um, openly naive as 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 you might expect because you can see the grid system working. You can see the way this, the the pages are done and laid out. And I think that you know the the imagery um, is still very striking. I mean, I I think that. Uh, those shots. I mean, those shots. Uh, that session was particularly striking uh, with the band. You know, embracing all all this. I mean, one of my one of the uh, regrets we had, we all had, was that the initial intention on that trip to Miami was to go to Cuba, mm-hmm. where Anton had, I think, photographed uh, Yellow in 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 Cuba, um, and uh, the unfortunate thing was uh, there was a kind of. Um, State Department embargo. If you went to uh, Cuba, there was a, a possibility you might not get back into the states, mm-hmm. especially as a touring band. So, we a lot, a, quite a lot of the of them of the photography ends up being done in a place called Little Havana, which was an area of of um, Miami that seemed to uh, be to embrace anti Castro feeling rather rather than pro Castro feeling. Um, yeah. Uh, and you were you, you as as a person or me as a person was was uh, taking all this in. You're in this very you know you could have been anywhere in 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 South America or any or, or anywhere in this particular area. It just looks so much that they had claimed this area of Miami as 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 themselves. Whereas when you went to the hotel, you were in this beachfront Art Deco area, which was mm-hmm. a sort of very different feeling. I'm guessing one of the benefits. Although, again, one could argue this isn't actually a benefit, but one of the opportunities that computers offers is, is the ability to do multiple mock-ups quickly and start to generate ideas which could be useful for the kind of brainstorming process. I think in in the uh, Stealing Hearts book, you can see that we actually produced a huge amount of uh, album cover mock-ups for the band to, yeah. to look at. Um in the very, very early stages of the process. So we were, in a sense, trying to show them what we needed to eliminate and where we where we needed to push forward yeah. with things. Plus the fact, I think there was, on this particular occasion, there was more titles than we've ever had before. There was sort of titles been fl- flying around, some of which you can see uh, in those mock-ups. I had referred to the digital design processes that you were using and the, you know, the analog and photographs of screens and the printouts as being kind of synonymous with Brian Eno's techniques that were known as treatments. And I notice on the sleeve notes for Pop that Sean is credited with treatments, literally. So I think it's interesting how that evolved into that that same definition. Yes. But I wanted to ask, when it came to these treatments that are now happening on Pop, obviously the sleeve and elsewhere, was there ever any like pushback from your photographers in, in particular Anton, you know, that you were taking, taking their work and reconstructing it or, you know, diminishing it or, de, you know, um, dissolving it, whatever it may be? Well, I, I think that um, most photographers um, would prefer uh, to see their work as they uh, delivered the print or they file or whatever way they they presented it i think that there was this was also a time when a magazine uh, raygun was around and a lot of photographers um were very anti it their pictures were being cut up and, and used in squares or or, or completely yeah, a, covered over with type or whatever and i think it's a both lot of a celebrated and maligned um publication i think i think it was celebrated for its bold bold nature but um 
Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a great magazine. I really, I really enjoyed it. But I can understand why the photographers felt that they were being kind of their work was just taken as a throwaway and, and added into the graphic pile, as opposed to being what what it is. Um, and you can see you can see that working from both ways. I mean, Anton never made any secret that his favorite album covers of his work are pictures that are full full bleed pictures of his of his image. Well, this is exactly my point: is that you spend so long throughout your design arc making sure that you don't interfere with the with the photography that you're that you're facilitating it being there in its purest form and now it feels like you're getting on top of it um yes uh, and and you know as you as you pointed out that's partly to do with the with Sean's input because I mean, he may not have had the same reverence for the photography that I might have had uh, since the 60s so um it really is sort of the point reached where you you kind of start to take things apart rather than put it, put them together in a, in a different way. So yeah, it's it's because in many ways Jean takes lead on the design, um, and I'm there as art director and and uh, so on with, with the process that you you do see this change in the attitude. Not that I was against it. I mean, I saw everything that was going on in the studio, so I think it was the right thing for that album to be that way. I actually don't remember, funnily enough, what Anton's reaction to taking those images and, and using that that um, uh, Photoshop uh, linear treatment for, for in the dots process was really something he thought worked or it didn't work. I, I actually can't remember what he said. I like it, I don't like it, whatever. I think he just went with it because that's the way, the direction the whole thing was moving. Okay, let's talk typefaces. You're working with a sort of sans serif, very simple font, very delicate font. There are, in my opinion, certain aspects of the typography that are kind of connected to some trends at the time, the lowercase usage and the use of brackets, I think, was was a popular design um, technique of that era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, typography uh, is open to fashionable trends as much as anything else. And when you look back at a, a, a say, a late 80s album or early 90s album, quite often you'll see con- consistent um trends in typography that that people like and and use you know um but you know fonts we didn't have like a mass amount of fonts back then um and we both felt that with the right with the i sent th- the the sense of color and the sense of adventure going on there that we needed something very stable to do that i mean you could have had fun just picking loads of weird fonts and, and doing something very strange in that in that sense but i think that it needed the that solid solid basis of having uh a sans serif face to hold the whole thing together. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that the the delicate, minimal, simple font manages to anchor it. And had you gone for a more bold, titled style, such as the, the say the Popmart logo, which is very appropriate for the tour, would have been too much for this sleeve. The next, the singles, please, and and last night in Earth, and we the 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 capitals comes back in in a big way it's 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 you know as if the, that little breather of the lower cases is, is gone and even the titles mm. on the back of the album cover are all done in capitals you know so yeah. there's a balance between, between the two yeah. but i think if you go to the to the front cover anything that was would have been stronger than that simple typography would have taken away from what the cover is in fact i think we we, we did consider the idea of having nothing on it again no. yeah that I'm almost surprised that you allowed yourself to put text on the front based on. Based uh, on I think I think possibly we were we were being led by uh, marketing departments uh, a little bit more than we than we had in yeah. the past. Uh, that we yeah. had to have something on, on on the front cover. Yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The images on the sleeve itself split up into the quadrants feature shots of the band taken by Anton Corbin that you have cropped, zoomed, uh, found textures in and then created textures using your Photoshop filters. And most interestingly, they each have their own color. So I'm wondering about that color choice. Was that a, was that a debate? Was that a trial and error? Was that the band's decision? Were you having some fun and experimenting with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, and there's a note in the, in the book where Sean says, you know, um, certain colors were, you know, better and Bono wanted to be one particular color he wanted he, he wanted to edge was Mr. Red it was kind of like a Reservoir Dogs kind of a little, a little joke but then each member had a, a set of color um, well, I think um, the note that Sean says is that they they each four of them had a say essentially in what, in what color what they were going to be yeah because we, yeah. we, we would have done these uh, images with a few color tones and backgrounds to see what how they how they how they worked and it, it's tricky as well because as far as i can recall um when you're presenting the mock-ups we didn't have the silver background in a lot of cases we just had mm. color printouts so we had yeah. to kind of facilitate the the the, the, the used, either using a white or a gray to sort of say this is kind of what it'll look like with the silver in the background let's talk about silver for just a moment there's a note that this process to print silver was a five color process can you explain this to me as if I don't understand this um what well, it, it, it it's silver and gold as as uh, over colors or extra colors fifth colors are um there it's got to be worked out it's like a painter doing a painting you've got to think about how what's going to print on top of it because uh, in a lot of cases it is the silver is applied um with the color so you and the and it's an opaque color, so it would tends to black, block out what what's happening in everything else. So if you're going to use a silver, you have to be aware of how it's going to fit with with it with the four color process imagery as well. You can either use it as a background color and print on top of it, or you can use it as a foreground color and let let it block out various other things. But um, I think that you know we had to design in such a way as that the silver was 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 there as an overprint, so it was in the artwork as a, as a black or whatever it might be, so that we knew exactly where it would fall and how it would work. A lot of that was worked out post production when we were over in Sonicon getting everything ready for films to, to do, so that we knew how it would actually print. The label on the CD and the records is very nice. It kind of reminds me of like an old school. Um, house style label 
Yeah, kind of just uh, it was something that Sean was working on. It was just a sort of that that it looks great. The chromatic colors running across from one side to the other. You know, it's it's uh, um, and in a sense, it's sort of almost like and probably again, this is post thinking rather than the time. A layer of symbols, you know, on top of each other or, or something of that nature. But it was it ju- was just a striking graphic, and I think it really worked as as, as uh, the CD and, and the labels. Get up off your knees. There is an interesting piece of trivia about this sleeve, a little hidden secret, though it is a secret that was never intended to be there. Can you tell us what happened? And I believe this all began with a phone call or a fax. Oh, uh, (laughs) that was kind of like, there was a number of sort of strange queries, but if you look at the front cover, there was a call that came through to the management offices that eventually filtered through to us to say that uh, the Playboy organization had wondered about why we had incorporated their logo into the front cover. And I know Sean and I were totally taken aback and we were kind of looking at this and saying, the Playboy logo in the cover? What are they talking about? And eventually we realized what they had done is if you take the cover and you turn it uh, upright. 90 degrees clockwise. So that Larry's left eye stands out and you can see that they thought that was the Playboy logo um, being used on the cover in a subtle way, rather than his eye, which it was. Full credit for whoever spotted this. I, it makes me wonder, was there a team who were just charged with, a team who were who were just given the job of searching for Playboy logos in merchandise and, and, and other media? Uh, no, I, I my my recollection it was it wasn't a, a sort of a suing situation because there's a mm. there's, there's a, a track on the album called Playboy Mansion. Mm. I think they were in a sense quite taken with the fact that they were in some way mm. used. But when it was explained to him that the original picture was sent them, said no, we weren't trying to incorporate your logo into the design. Maybe if it had been the logo, there might have been some problems. But I think they were kind of kind of happy that there, there was. But was this a litigious thing? Was it a cease and desist kind of scenario? No, I don't or? recall it being a cease and desist. I just recall it a question. Why is it there? And when we oh, explain it's okay. not there, look, here's the original picture. And this is the way the, the, the treatment of it. Uh, makes the eye look that way but it's nothing to do with it, with it. it's just a, a random occurrence that happened in the graphics yeah if you, yeah i mean i don't know if it would be more fun to be sitting here saying yes we did we snuck that in nice you know it's yeah. it's a way it's literally a wink at the at the uh the playboy yeah action. yeah well, it would have been fun if we had actually seen it and said let's yeah. do that but it, unfortunately it wasn't so uh well. We could have done some. Re- we could have done some revisionist history and and, and yeah, we could have yeah, yeah. done that in that way. But anyway, that's the truth of it, um, and we speak the truth here. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that this record is the party record, and I think much more so than the last two releases. This is very much defined by by an uh, you know uh, the dance music sensibilities of the time and the club culture, which. I guess Bono and Edge in particular were exploring and and experimenting with themselves. Yeah. But I think that this party atmosphere is what leads to the the overall aesthetic. Obviously the stage show feels like a big disco and and then this further leads to the fun elements such as the edge in the as the pop up in, in the tour program. Yes. 
Um, and, you know, Miami nightlife was probably, you know, fundamental to, to that kind of thing. But, you know, also there's been a sonic change as well because uh, this a lot of this album is produced by Flood. Uh, some tracks club used by Howie B. So they're moving into an area where they're using people who are working within that, that dance music, electronic music sphere, as opposed to the Eno Lanois um, that happened before. So it's a different uh, sonic sound as, as much as every, everything else. But um, you were talking about the tour program and, and the, um, I remember Sean and I were talking to the, the production company and we were saying, well, because yeah. uh, the tour is pop, we wanted to have a pop up in the thing, and I explored. Uh, ver- I bought various kind of kids pop up books and things like that, see how they worked and what, what would what mm-hmm. would work. And we came up with a version that had basically the stage pop up, um, and the printer guys were looking at it and said, "Do you realise that you have got I think Before something like time. eight or nine points that have to be mm-hmm. stuck down for it to work." properly and he yeah. said they're done by hand he said the tour would be over by the time we got the tour programs ready so they gave us two points so we decided yeah. to use the, the the picture of egg edge doing the kick as the pop-up yeah it, it never fails to, to bring a smile when you open up that that program did that win any awards that program um it was the the tour programs were often considered and we were told as as being leaders in the industry they were always checking to see what we'd done but by that stage um the processes and printing so we there were several other tour programs that were kind of going for the, like the madonnas and people were going for very very sophisticated over the top uh tour programs as well so it wasn't alone it may have been one of the very first to do, to explore those possibilities but it certainly wasn't the only one to do that well, I think effectively from, well, maybe Joshua Tree, but definitely from Octung Baby, you've established an expectation for for how much um, content or materials you need for a campaign through yeah. the different editions of the tour program, the many, many different t-shirt designs and everything else that comes with that. And I mean, we, we could do a whole episode just based on the promotional materials for Pop, Yeah, which obviously is a perfect thing because you're talking about this Kmart consumer concept that feeds into products. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, although, you know, we were aware of it, I would have to say the vast majority of those pieces were were sourced by the, um, the record labels yeah. promotion department. You know, we kind of like we're told this is what we're going to do. So we would we would uh, like the disco balls were done in, in a variety of sizes. So they, 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 they you know, we would often do the graphics for those. Um, once we had the sizes and things like that, but the 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 pens, all these kind of things. The um, I think it was a kaleidoscope as well done at the same time. Oh, I mean, the- you name it, they did it. You got they got disco balls, disco pens, inflatable lemons, Rubik's cubes, badges, T-shirts, of course, all the usuals. So, did you? What did you think of this record? Um, I liked it. I, I I thought, you know, I mean, I, I it was a time when I actually got to have some conversations with Flood, who I had admired for his work with Depeche and and, and other bands and his own band Node. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking back, I, I liked Discotheque. I liked um, Staring at the Sun, um, Last Night on Earth, um, uh, Please, you know, Wake Up Dead Man. There's, there's at least half that album, I think, is 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 um, excellent. Well, I think it lacks the cohesion of some previous records, but at the same time, I think it's that lack of cohesion that makes it kind of interesting. It's more kind of scattered and um, 
diverse. Yeah, they probably once like everything else because the tour was 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 coming along because the 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 um it, in other words, we had they had to meet deadlines to get this out there to get the tour and the whole thing. I think they would have liked to have spent more time in the studio. I don't know if that would have affected what we were doing, particularly because we had already kind of established what we were trying to do. Well, again, I don't think that it is undercooked. I mean, nor do I think that it's overcooked. I think there's a lot of consideration yeah. gone into all aspects, particularly the design. But I, I wouldn't change really anything. Yeah. How do you feel about it now? Well, I thought I th- I'm proud of it. I think it it it's it's it stands in a sense outside of the the kind of boy war, um, uh, Joshua Tree scenario of of direct simplicity and, and minimalism. And I think it 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 does its maximism in in a way that works. And I think it's it it's completely reflective of the music. And I think one of the things that we used to say to ourselves is try not do something that can be predicted by the fans, trying to do something that's going to surprise them. And I think it was a surprise to a lot of the I fans. I think if, if an alien came down from from beyond and you gave them the boy album cover and then gave them the Pop Mart tour program, they'd be like, huh? So, you know, just, just on the idea that this is where we c- conclude for now the arc of your design story, like this is this is as far as we're going to go. And it's just really interesting when you when you when you reflect this backwards over that um, 16 years, 17 years of design work. Like it's quite a journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, you know, I have to say um, the working relationship with myself and Sean was Mm -hmm. essential to this. Um, I don't think certainly I would have um, been totally uh, able to execute that direction as as a person on my own uh, and that's why i had brought sean into the process from act on onwards because a person with a with a, a different uh back sensible sensibility will, will is somebody that you need to have that opinion there with the whole thing well i think collaboration second opinions and being able to reinvigorate your own voice is a very important thing it's too easy when with a long-term relationship to to fall back on on things and uh, you know i'm kind of interested to see where things will go with the next uh with the rock and roll album um, to see where that takes the whole process. One of the other connectors throughout all of these episodes is the trips um, to, to shoot photographs. And obviously you were on board for the shoots for this pop set, these pop sessions. We, and we've talked about the Joshua trip being quite a solemn, inspiring trip. And was, was there more of a party atmosphere now and more of a settled kind of feeling in, in um, the shoots? It was, Again, um, they had hired a studio in Miami, which uh, was an old cinema, um, and it's a and it was one of those places where the roof actually uh, covers came back to let natural daylight in it. There's also uh, a lot of the sort of shoot, uh, shots of the band against the white wall. That there was a wall on the roof. You went up on the roof, and there was this big kind of steps up to this big white wall, which was natural sunlight, um, and that was you know. A fantastic way to shoot just to be using natural light as much as possible plus we went out walkabout in miami in these areas like little havana um, i just remembered it uh, uh working closely with uh, anton and Anne louise kelly from the management about you know what we needed to do what we needed to get out of the shoot and uh, how it was working out and the, and the feeling was very good the feeling of everybody well this is roughly 10 years out from your first trip away 
for the Joshua Tree, and then, which would have been a, obviously a very solemn experience. And I, I, I'm imagining that this was probably more of a, again, a kind of party, a party atmosphere, fun, light. Um, to a certain degree. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm a non-drinker, so if if people went out for a late night drink, it wasn't something that I did. I kind of uh, worked on other things when I was doing that, trying to work, going through my notes and trying to say, well, what have we done so far? What do we need to do? What have we got to produce graphics for? Um, and conversation with Anton about, you know, what what our next day's process was and what we needed to, to do it so i was thoroughly engaged and and i uh, thoroughly enjoyed the entire process. i mean i i find the company of of um adam and larry and bono and edge um fun and and relaxed it was i don't i don't remember that shoot having tensions One of the people who has been a regular feature in our chats has been Paul McGuinness. And it feels like yet again, here we are, business as usual. So I'm just curious a bit about his role at that time. Was he more in the background at this stage? Uh, I would think that uh, at that point in the time, Paul was kind of more involved in the bigger picture, the touring and the large touring things. Our day-to-day contact would would, would have been with Anna Louise Kelly as opposed to Paul. Um, in in previous album covers, things that he would always be around or drop in and, and and have a look at what was going on. But I don't recall him being around at all for that album cover session, other than popping into the studio every now and then or whatever. But I think he was away a lot, arranging the tours and get, getting that because quite a big endeavor to get that whole thing done. So he was doing a lot of that kind of work. Part of the reason why I bring it up is because there was a bit of a rug pull with the personnel on this record, obviously. Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois aren't involved and maybe that was a was a simple decision or maybe it was a, a timing thing but I imagine it was more to bring in some different takes on the production style through Flood, Howie B etc so in some ways I think it's unusual that they didn't also see this as an opportunity to switch out the design team which is just f- f- a further testament to this creative relationship which is now so so you know, forged in steel, galvanized. Um, I don't think that was one of the situations where we were uh, told some part in the thing that there was a another company doing designs. I think that came in the next uh, over the next few album covers. We were informed that uh, different companies were doing uh, alternative designs for the album cover. But on this one, now I think we were deeply embedded with the whole team at that point. So I think it was pretty much us and 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 the, the video and the staging teams that were involved in the whole uh, look and feel of the tour. I'm drawn to a quote of Paul's, in fact, that I think kind of ties a lot of what we're talking about together. And there's a bit of a debate about why pop wasn't as successful as as the band had hoped. And a lot of that's down to this idea of time, that because they had the tour booked, that they were under pressure to complete the record. And I think Larry, Larry had said if there was two or three months to work, they would have had a very different record. McGuinness, though, he says that it got an awful lot of time, actually. And he says he thinks it suffered from too many cooks, as in the phrase, too many cooks spoil the broth or spoil the kitchen. And there were so many people with a hand in the record that it wasn't surprising that it didn't come through as clearly as it might have done. 
And then most importantly, he says, it was also the first time I started to think that technology was getting out of control. So, of course, what comes next was a big um, response to this, I think. Yeah, um, I I think that's... Uh, I can't speak as directly to him uh, on that because we were very much concerned with what we were doing. But I know if you look at the credits on that album, there's so many people and there's a sort of a, uh, this need to um, move to a new generation in many ways or to maybe to rethink their approach to fan base. Um, uh, and I don't know at the end of the day where it sits with the overall fans in the canon of what they really like. I don't think it's high up on the albums that are really become firm favourites with, with the fan base. Well, from a design point of view, it's regularly cited by fans as being one of their favorite uh, design campaigns. But, you know, the thing I sort of draw, draw on is, is once again, this idea, similarly with October, you know, that the that there were, the sleeves all need to have a relationship with each other and without the extravagance of pop. And, now, you know, even just call it extravagance isn't, isn't, isn't correct, but the extravagance of the Octung Zuropa pop era was needed to pave the way for the next run of sleeves, the all that you can't believe, leave behind sleeve, um, how to dismantle an atomic bomb. You know, those things couldn't have happened without this. Yeah, well, I think you you kind of have to get your fill of that and say we've done that. We've you know this is something. This is the the maximalist uh, album done. In, in so many people involved on so many different levels, you just strip things back to where you want to be um, after that. And you can't carry on doing that. You can't carry on keen to make it bigger and brighter and flashier. You kind of have to look to the basics of what you want to do. And even though the stage shows for the following tours involved some very, very spectacular stagings, um, the actual album and the approach to the album and that on the next couple of albums was a much more simplistic, more direct uh, means. And again, back to the use of, of uh, main photography by uh, Anton Corbin. One thing that is notable with this release is that it never had the anniversary treatment that other significant releases received. No 10-year, 20-year, uh, now 30-year anniversary um, was there ever any discussions about this? Was it was it a possibility at any stage that you recall? I don't. I actually don't remember it ever being discussed. I think that they were sort of unhappy enough with it. I, I mean, obviously, like any of these situations, there's, there's. I'm sure if you went back into those tracks and had the time to 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 look at them and, and redo them, I think they probably now would go back and do something like they've done with the latest album and, and do revisions of them or different versions of those songs rather than trying to fix what they might have felt was wrong with them at the time, you know? I mean, aside from the, you know, the potentiality with unused tracks or demos, as I'm assuming there's a lot of them, the, the possibility to revisit the design was one that I'm sure is, it will be very exciting yeah, it, it would definitely, graphically, yes, of course it would be. That there's some, you know, there's some very interesting things to explore there if you if you went back and, and looked at it again and sort of said, let's tear it apart and put it back together in something as equally interesting and about techniques and over overprints and uh, posters and everything else that would go along with it. You could certainly put together a package. I would have thought that visually it would look great, but whether um, there's enough there for the music to be revisited and rechanged and, and remixed. So it may well at some point become something that they will take on. Well, you know, on the other hand, I also want to leave open this 
idea that maybe it 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 doesn't deserve a revisit because it's not as timeless or classic as some of the other sleeves and it maybe it is of that time and kind of remains there and that's not that's not in a detrimental way again it's just it kind of is what it is yes there was something uh, at the end of it if i said something about it that maybe sounds slightly derogatory i would say the whole process ended up being slightly soulless okay well Let's try to unpack that. I wonder, is a certain amount of that tied to the, the statement that we, we, we quoted Paul on, where there was, you know, too much, too many, too many treatments, too many cooks, too many ideas? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing about it is, you know, uh, whereas everything else we've done, we did, is essentially uh, about the band as people. If you remove this same cover could work if you basically took most of those pictures away and put something else in there. You know, you put found shots or whatever. Uh, I don't recall a a shot that, you know, other than the imagery from the front cover um, of the CD, I don't recall anything that's kind of like, wow, that's a monumental great picture. There are some, there were some brilliant pictures from that session. uh, And um, some of them were used in in that process, but because they were used in in a different way, they probably don't strike you as, as they would if they were full full pictures. Well, this is an interesting conversation because the you know I did feel like very early in the in the research for this project that I wanted to finish on pop because I felt like something kind of changes there. And again, not not for the for the worse. Yeah, I mean, I think probably uh, it, to put it another way, it'd probably be more favourable to say um, not so much that it's soulless, that it, perhaps to say that it lacked something of the soul of some of the other previous albums. Um, not that the, the music itself or what they did uh, could be seen as soulless, but it just lo- la- lacks that humanity a little bit that some of the other covers have. Well, again, I think we can find a way to kind of justify this idea. Maybe, maybe, maybe the maybe the idea of emptiness comes to mind, coming from this idea of this album being a party album that you, the party has to end sometime, and and the soul kind of the soul of the party has to die, and maybe that's partly built into this record and part of the fact that it that it packed in so much of that party and that and that carnival that it also couldn't resist having some of that empty feeling after the party when when the booze or the chemicals have dried up or whatever, you know? Yeah, you know, there may be that you're almost trying to find an enforced sense of fun in the whole thing that didn't really exist because when the music isn't absolutely in your heart or going the right way, uh, you're pushing other things to kind of compensate for that but you know, we could go over this for hours. But I, you know, it, it is what it is. It, it is an album that has some great tracks on it. It functioned very, very well as the form around which everything on that tour happened. But I think afterwards they kind of looked at it and said, "Well, okay, this is not necessarily where we want to be. Let's go back to something." And I think it's really, really interesting that they may go back to something that's almost right back to where where they were with the first album, with the next album. That's to me is um, it's quite quite interesting. And that has been U2 Pop. We want to do something special for the final episode. We'd like to hear from you. Any questions you may have, any queries, wonderings, comments, musings? Is there a detail we missed? Is there a point we made that you 
would like to hear more of? Is there something we got wrong? You can submit your questions to us at stephenaverill.com forward slash ask Steve. That's forward slash A-S-K-S-T-E-V-E. There will be an extended break between this episode and the finale to gather as many of your questions as we can. Of course, we may not be able to answer all of them, but do please send us on your questions. We greatly look forward to hearing from you. We are also going to take a look back over the series and talk a little bit about the sleeves from the second half of U2's career. And we thank you once again for joining us and coming on this journey with us. We would like to extend our gratitude and infinite thanks to Nadine, Bono Edge, Adam and Larry, the good folk at Universal Music. You can also sign up for exclusive updates at stephenaverill.com forward slash U2Y. We're just about to drop a very limited edition print series with some unseen U2 photographs. And you can also follow him on his Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Stephen Averill Design. I am Gareth Averill. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We'll see you soon for the final episode. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.